You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, as we uh, continue to dive into our Real Talk series, the message today is entitled, The Truth and Nothing But the Truth. And so, as you know, Jesus had been out teaching. He goes up on the mountainside, and uh, while he is there, it says he sits down, and uh, he starts to teach them. And the first part of the the teaching was the Beatitudes, and there are things that should be uh, character traits in our lives, the things that we should strive to be, the way we should strive to live. And then he does a brief discussion about the law, and and then the Lord dives into different topics and uh, things for them to understand, things for us to understand. Uh, the, the way he did it was he kind of laid out this is what you thought this is what you thought the law was and maybe how far short they had fallen of it or how they had lowered the bar and, and then he goes but this is what it's really about he started out talking about that when he talked about murder you've heard it said you shall not murder pretty easy bar for us to climb over I think everyone in the room um, but then he says but I say to you and he takes it all and he moves it right to the heart and anger and then from there the Lord moves on and he talked about um, adultery thou shalt not commit adultery uh, probably a bar that most people in the room could climb over fairly easy I haven't committed adultery and uh, but then he says uh, but I say to you and he talks about lust and he moves to the heart and all of a sudden we're all under the conviction. We're all feeling the weight. And last week he talked about, uh, you, you heard that it said uh, that uh, about divorce and how um, then he talked about how a man could write his wife a certificate of divorce basically for anything. And then the Lord raises the bar back up and talks about the value of marriage and the importance of marriage. And, and then so we come to today and uh, Jesus is going to teach about oaths. He's going to teach about oaths. He's going to talk about taking them, when we should, when we shouldn't. Really, he's going to talk about what's really important. That's what he's going to get to. And it's interesting that this message uh, lands in our series uh, two days after the inauguration down in the U.S. I don't know how many of you watched that. I uh, was preparing my message on Friday morning. But I knew that the oath comes at about noon. And uh, so I turned on my television and I watched the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court uh, give the oath to uh, the new President of the United States, Donald Trump. Uh, Here's what it says in the U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 1. It says, before he enter the President on the execution of his office, he shall take the following oath or affirmation. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States and will to the best of my ability preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. You fill in the rest of it. So help me God. Well, except that's not actually in the Constitution. That wasn't actually there in the original when it was written. But for the last number of presidents, uh, that's been put in. But the, the reality is the president, he takes an oath. He makes his promise. Does he really care? What that oath says, I I think we'll find out over the next four years. Uh, Did the last president take seriously the oath that he took? I'll leave that up to you to judge. 
Uh, but the reality is this topic of oaths, although it may not seem important on the surface, it's a very important and a very significant topic to God. To the point where Jesus in his teaching zeroes in with a laser onto this particular topic about taking an oath. So you got your Bibles open? Let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 starting at verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, we thank you for your word. Again, we thank you for this amazing teaching that Jesus laid out for his followers and has laid out for us. It, it's like he was looking at the headlines in our newspaper today as he prepared what he was going to say. So, Lord, it's relevant for us. It's truthful for us. It'll be helpful for us. So give us ears, Lord, to hear your word today. Minds, God, that we might better understand it. And then, Lord, would you give us hearts to respond to what the Lord Jesus is teaching us today from your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can take your seat. If there's one nail that I want to drive today throughout this message, it would be this. You are what you do not what you say you will do. You are what you do, not what you say you will do. So let's drive into the text. The first thing we want to take a look at again is what they thought. As Jesus was teaching this, uh, what were they thinking? We see it in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. And so he's talking about oaths and should we make them or shouldn't we make them? And so first of all, let's understand what an oath is. An oath by definition is a solemn promise or affirmation, often invoking a divine witness regarding one's future action or behavior. I'll say that again. A solemn promise or affirmation, often invoking a divine witness regarding one's future action or behavior. Or, an oath can be this, a sworn declaration that one will tell the truth, especially in a court of law. And so uh, people would make an oath and you would swear on something. And we're going to talk about that in, the moment, in a moment. But before I do that, just a little sidebar to what's the difference between an oath and a vow. Uh, people stand up here on this platform and they get married here or back there and, and they make their vows to each other. What's, what's the difference? Not much. Not much. It's, it's basically, it's a promise, it's a vow, it's a commitment. An oath often invokes a name as the foundation of it, but at the center of it, they're basically the same. But here's what was happening. As Jesus was teaching them, he says, again, you've heard it was said, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform the Lord what you have sworn. What was happening in their society, we're going to see it again in another text in a minute, but they were making their oaths, they were making their promise, they were swearing on things. And, and what it had, had boiled down to that Jesus is about to correct was, if you swore by the name of God, then you had to deliver that. 
You did not dare not deliver it. The Pharisees, the scribes, they all understand. If you invoked God's name in your oath, then you had to do it. But for them, if you, if you swore on anything else, you could, get, you could wiggle out of it. You didn't have to do it. It didn't matter. And Jesus is about to say to them, no, no, that's wrong, but we want to get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. We, we hear oaths being made all the time. You hear somebody say, God as my witness, and then they'll go on and say their thing. Or they might say, I swear on my mother's grave. Now, virtually every time somebody says that, the next words that come out of their mouth are a lie. Uh, that's been my experience to that. Or Jason, come on back up here again. When you were little, uh, you might have done this. I pinky swear. I pinky swear. I've never pinky swearing with Jason before. Don't intend to ever do that. But, but that was kind of a way the kids did that we're going to make our oath to each other. Um, how about this one? Cross my heart and hope to die if what I say is not true. That, that was a kind of an oath. Um, but how about this? Ah, but I had my fingers crossed. So it doesn't matter. I, I did that as a kid. I had my fingers crossed, so my oath doesn't matter. Well, that's kind of what they were doing. They were making all these promises and making them based on statements, but never had any intention on fulfilling them. And that was the root of the problem. The Old Testament says some things about oaths. I've picked three a text. I just, you can look them up after, but Leviticus 19.12 says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Numbers 30, verse 2. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Deuteronomy 23, 21. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. And so as vows or oaths were being made, there were two major parts to them. The first part was that the oath you were making was that it was truthful. I mean it. It's not something I flippantly say. I say it because I mean it. The second part of an oath was that you would be faithful. And that is, I will do it. I'll not only mean what I say, but I will do what I say. And they had cheapened that down to, I'll do it only for sure if I ever claimed God as the foundation of that oath. A couple of other supporting verses. Psalm 15, 1 and 2. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Psalm 24, 3 and 4. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. And so we have this idea that a vow wasn't binding unless it was in the name of God. And, and even the Old Testament was saying, just do what you say you're going to do. You make a promise, you make a vow, you take an oath, you have an obligation to fulfill it. Uh, what was coming out of that was uh, people didn't take oaths seriously. But the, the next thing that came after that was, but then you didn't know what you could take seriously. 
And so if I make a promise to you, if I make a vow to you, if I say I'm going to do something and then I don't do it, well then what about all the rest of your life? What about all the rest of the things? What can I trust? What can I hope in? What can I, I believe? And that's really what Jesus is about to get at. There's an illustration of a, a disastrous oath that was made in the Old Testament. It's found in Judges chapter 11, starting at verse 29. The man's name was Jephthah. He was going into battle. He was leading the Israelites against the Ammonites. And Jephthah, who was described as a mighty man of valor, made a rash vow, a rash oath. And what he said is, God, if you give me victory in this, when I come home from the battle, whoever comes out the door first, I'll sacrifice to you. That's what he said. That was a foolish vow. He never should have made it. It was an ungodly vow, but it was a vow. It was an oath that he made. He goes into the battle. They win the battle. They come home from the battle. And the first person who walks out the door is his daughter. But he believed his vow so much that he actually fulfilled his vow. That's a sermon for a different day for us to understand. It was a rash vow. It was a wrong vow. It never should have been made in the first place. I'm not going to get into that today. I'm just saying there, there was an importance to these things. The oaths and vows and commitments and promises that God expects us to keep. And so that's a kind of a, what they thought about vows. Here's what they missed. Here's what they missed. I look at verses 34 to 36. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by earth, for it's the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or, or black. Um, so a little bit of a context about oaths in the Bible, um, so that we kind of get to what they had missed and understand it. Now, first of all, God made an oath with us. Uh, write down this text. Look it up when you get home. Hebrews 6, 16 to 18. It says, for people swear by something greater than themselves. That was the idea of, a, of an oath. I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on, right? People, so it says, for people swear by something greater than themselves and all their disputes, an oath is a final form of confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. God made a promise. So that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that's set before us. And God made an oath to you. God made a promise to you. It would seem that Jesus, in his trial, um, just before his death, uh, gave witness under oath. In uh, Matthew 26, 63 and 64, it says, But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Jesus, you're speaking under oath. That's what he is saying to him. I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, coming on the clouds of heaven. Paul made an oath more than one time. In uh, 2 Corinthians 1.23, he says, but I call God to witness against me. That's an oath. I, I'm invoking the name of God. 
And so as we get into the discussion, as we think this through a little bit, and we're going to come to, what do you do if you go to court? What do you do if you go to court? Do, are Christians ever allowed to make an oath? Do we make oath? Because didn't Jesus say, don't make an oath? But you're missing the whole point. The point is not about the making of an oath. The point is about being truthful. The point is about doing what you say you will do. That's what he is on to. That's what he is, he is talking about. Now we see this more clearly laid out. Keep your finger in Matthew 5 and flip over to Matthew chapter uh, 23. Matthew chapter 23. Uh, Jesus is kind of laying out the scribes and the Pharisees and the seven woes. And uh, in verse 16 he says, Woe to you blind gods, you blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple... It's nothing. See, that's the thing. That's the same thing he was talking about in Matthew 5. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. And then in verse 17, you blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? Verse 18. And if you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that's on the altar, he's bound by his oath. See, they're making up their rules as when you had to stand by your oath and when you didn't have to stand by your oath. You blind men for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? And, um, and so I swear. I swear by heaven. I swear by the throne of God. I swear by the earth. I swear by Jerusalem. I swear by the altar. I swear by the temple. I swear by my head. And, and virtually all of these things they were using as escape, an escape route so that they didn't have to do what they had said they would do. And, uh, and this is what Jesus is helping them to understand. They had missed what Jesus was going after was the truth. He was going after their integrity. He was going after their heart. He was going after their character. Uh, back in that passage in Matthew 23, verse 20 says, So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. So whatever you make your promise, whatever you make your oath, whatever you swear by, don't, don't give them levels of importance and do what you say you will do. And you don't get to, I crossed my fingers, it doesn't count. I didn't really mean it when I say it. Jesus is raising the bar from what they had lowered it to back to where it needs to be. So people would then ask the question, well, should Christians take oaths at all? Should we ever take an oath? If you have to go to court, should you take an oath? More specifically, should you put your hand on a Bible and say, I swear? So, first thing I want us to do is go back to understand a little bit of the historic context of that even in our nation. A Judeo-Christian country, 20, 30, 50, 200 years ago, where the God of this book was revered. And people would put their hand on the Bible. It's like, oh my goodness. If I put my hand on this book, I better make sure I tell the truth. Jesus is saying, you shouldn't have to put your hand on a book to tell the truth. You should just tell the truth. But that was the context. And so you put your hand on this book and you make your oath. It's like, oh, right? Um, but in our court system today, you don't have to do that. So just if you didn't know that, I don't know this by experience. I know this by what I've read and who I've talked to. 
so you know, okay? And because uh, if you went into a court in Canada today, you could put your hand on a Bible, you could put your hand on a Koran, you could put your hand on any other, other sources of, of what people would call um, significance. Um, I, I was reading one place, I had it confirmed by someone in our church who knows these things, that uh, for First Nations people, you, they'll bring out two feathers, you can put your hand on these two feathers and you can make your oath. And okay, So all of that kind of hits into context in our society. Um, we have to understand the context. We have to understand the history. You have to think through your conscience on this a little bit. And I, I would just say this, you have to be careful. Be careful because you might come to a conclusion that you think is black and white and is easy and the person beside you might not come to the same answer, the same end so easily as you did. And... Um, because the point of Matthew chapter 5 and the point of Matthew 23 is not about putting your hand on a Bible. It's about telling the truth. It's about doing what you say you will do. Having said that, victimsinfo.ca, this is what I had confirmed that it's true and right. If you're in court or if you're in, a, in, in, in a, some kind of a hearing where you have to make a promise, you have to make an oath, here's what it says. You'll be asked either to swear an oath on a holy book or affirm the truth. The court understands that in our diverse society, many people do not wish to take an oath on the Bible. Instead of taking an oath on the Bible, witnesses can affirm. This means that you solemnly promise to tell the truth to the court. Children under 14 are asked to promise to tell the truth. In all cases, you must give your commitment to the court to tell the truth. So it doesn't, if you put your hand on a Bible or you don't put your hand on a Bible, it doesn't make any difference. You're judged exactly the same. You're going to be held by, did you tell the truth? Well, thanks, Pastor, but what should we do? Open hand for me. This is an open-handed thing for me. I can see value as a testimony to put your hand on a Bible. What difference does it make? You're going to tell the truth anyways. But I can also understand that everybody does it. It means nothing to put your hand on a Bible, so don't do that either. Um, what would I do? Mm, wide open hand, because I'm not positive. But I don't think I would put my hand on a Bible. I don't think I would. I think I would say, you know, I'm going to affirm that I'm going to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. That's what I'm committed to. That's who I am. That's my character. That's what I believe. I talked to a lady after the last service who was in a thing where she had to and she decided to put her hand on the Bible. And I said, I got no problem with that. I'm fine with that. Because that's not what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about putting your hand on a Bible. He wasn't talking about, he was talking about our integrity. He was talking about our character. He was talking about telling the truth. So in Matthew 5, it says, do not take an oath at all. And that statement is immediately qualified by Jesus because they were making flippant comments and flippant oaths that they had no intention on ever fulfilling. Stop doing that, he said. In James 5, 12, it says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but, and again, the same thing, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So oaths are made. Oaths in that day had become cheap and they didn't matter anymore. 
But our word and what does it mean today? Hey, there was a song written in 1994 that John Michael Montgomery made very popular. It's been sung at millions of weddings. Um, the song goes, I swear by the moon and the stars in the sky, I'll be there. And then it goes on, for better or worse, till rich, till death do us part, I'll love you with every beat of my heart, I swear. There you go. I don't know if you're clapping because it was good or it's over, but... Uh, <laughs> And millions of people have broken that promise. It didn't mean anything. I brought them to tears today. <laughs> brought the whole, well not the whole group, but one person anyways. And the, and the oath is broken. The promise was made, but the promise really didn't mean anything. It's a touchy-feely kind of thing, but... So let's go to what this is really about. We've seen what they thought. We understand better what they missed. Now let's talk about what they must do. What they must do. You are what you do, not what you say you will do. Look at verse 37. This is the crux of the whole thing. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And Jesus drives right now to the heart of the matter. Jesus is on the do what you say you will do. That's what he was getting at. They were making oaths. They were making problems. And then they weren't fulfilling them. And Jesus is saying, let your yes be yes. Do what you say you will do. And if you say no, then do what you say you will do. But do what you say you will do. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be there. If you say you will be there at a certain time, be on time. Unless you're coming up McCowan during rush hour. <laughs> there probably needs to be a little bit of grace, right? But be, what, be, be there, be there on time. If you say you will do something, do it. Do it. Don't let your word be cheap. Don't let people wonder if... Does he really believe that? Is he really going to do that? Is she really on fire for that? Is she really going to come through for me on that? Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. We all struggle with this at some level. I struggle with it. Every week after a service, I either stand here or come down here and people will come and they'll come up and shake my hand and ask if I will pray for them for something. And, and then, Pastor, could I meet with you this week? And I want to say yes to everybody. I just want to say yes. Well, yeah, we'll figure out how we can do that. Let's make that happen. And it's not going to happen this week. There's just not enough time in the day. There's not enough uh, hours in the day, time in the week. It's just, I can't, but, I, but I so want to say yes. I met with a lady a week and a half ago now, a week or so ago, and she came in and uh, I had to begin my time with her by apologizing to her for this very thing. Unfortunately, she was filled with grace and very gracious to me and I was so thankful to God for that. But let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be there. If you make a promise, fulfill it. Well, what's at stake? What's at stake? Here's three things that are at stake. The first thing that's at stake if we don't do these things is your testimony. Your testimony is at stake. See, these people were making their promises and not doing them, and then their word became worthless. It, they... It, they their testimony was at stake. It eroded their credibility. It builds distrust. 
It limits even your ability to grow in what you're doing and where, where you might get promoted or move forward because you're not a person of your word. You don't do what you say you're going to do. It affects your testimony, a testimony that's supposed to be filled with, with truthfulness, a testimony that's supposed to be filled with faithfulness, a testimony that should be filled by being honorable or trustworthy and dependable. And, and maybe even as I'm talking, you're like, uh, I see some things in my own life where I'm not what you're calling me to be. I'm not what Jesus is saying I'm supposed to do. And you can see where your testimony has been hurt. It impacts your testimony. Here's another thing it impacts. There's people who you hurt. When we don't do what we say we will do, other people get hurt. I've seen too many families where dads made promises to do something and then just didn't do it. Never apologized, never came back asking for forgiveness, just walked away from it because their word wasn't worth anything. And when we don't do these things, people get hurt. Could be a neighbor, could be a, one of your kids, could be your spouse, could be a coworker, could be somebody at the church. And when we don't let our yes be yes and our no be no, people, people get hurt. But here's the third thing. A God's reputation is at stake here. Not that God fails, not that he ever changes, but if you're trying to reach your neighbor with the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've told them how amazing Jesus is and what he's done for you and how he saved you and how you were a sinner and you had no hope and, and God came through because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so you could have eternal life. And he sits at God's right hand and he makes intercession for me. And how I get a right relationship with God is through putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and you got this whole story going on because you want them to know Christ. And in the back of their mind, they're like, how do I know that's even true? How do I know I can even trust that? Last week, the guy said he was going to do this and he didn't do this. He promised he wouldn't do this and he did it. And all these things are out there. And when our yes is not yes and our no is not no, then we open the door for a real distraction and a disruption of the working of God. And it's not that God changes. God's character is the same, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the way people view God, they can see through who we are and how serious we are and how impacted God is in our lives and and I don't want to ever be the stumbling block where somebody's like, if Paul Whittingstall is a picture of a Christian, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. Or they got to climb over some hurdle of my failure because I don't think my word is important. God help us. God help us. That we would be people who are faithful to our words and what we say we will do. And we do it. Here's a seven ideas, seven ways to always do what you say you'll do. Real quick. First one, don't agree or promise anything you're not sure you can deliver. Don't agree or promise anything you're not sure you deliver. I shouldn't stand here and say, hey, let's meet this week. Shouldn't say that. If I don't know if I can deliver it, I need to say it. We need to get together. We need to figure out how that's going to happen. Call the office. We'll set up an appointment. But don't set people up to fail. When you're making your business deals, don't say things if you don't know. You can follow through on them. Don't make promises to your kids if you don't know you can do them. Um, 
I've told you this before. You could test this with my kids next time you see them. But whenever Sue and I ever used the words, I promise, they could take that to the bank. I had never, and you know, I'm the guy who says, don't use words like never and always and all the rest. I have never said to my kids ever, I promise, and then not delivered on it. And I failed in all kinds of other ways. Don't think I'm a perfect father. Far from it. But in that thing, we were very careful with our kids. If we promised we were going to do something, they knew they could take that to the bank. They knew that would be delivered for them. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Here's another thing. Keep a reasonable schedule. Keep a reasonable schedule. Some people have just too much going on and they're making all these rash promises of things they would like to do, but they're not going to get delivered and people get left in the dirt on the side and they're so frustrated by it. I, I have parts in my schedule now um, that says uh, do not book because there are other people who have access to my schedule to put appointments and stuff in, right? And so for an illustration, Thursday might say, do not book. And they know don't touch that spot. There's something going on there. It's not, it's not that I have appointments. It's probably that I'm going to be home with my wife on that Thursday night. But I've been out on Saturday. I've been out on Sunday. I've been out on Tuesday. I've been out on Wednesday. And I'm not going to set myself up to fail. I'm still learning and growing these things. And we all need to do that. Don't overextend yourself. Because when you do, you break your promises and people wonder, can I trust that person anymore? Do I know they'll do what they say they will, they will do? Here's another one. Be honest. Be honest with yourself and the people that you're making your commitments to. You know what? I, yeah, I don't know if I can. I talked with a guy last night. He said, Pastor, can I meet me this week? I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm, we'll work it out. We'll see what we can do. I, I, I will meet with you, but I don't know if I can do it this week. You're like, that's a pretty small little thing. Hey, it's in the destruction of the small little things where people can't trust you that they can't trust you in the big things either. And so we want to make sure that we do the things we say that we're going to do and we're faithful uh, to those things. Um, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. When that lady came into my office, the first thing I did was apologize to her. Ask her to forgive me for my failure in this. And, and we need to be people like that. When we, when we make our commitment to do something, we need to do it. And if we fail, because we're not perfect people, then we need to get right with people. Maybe as you're hearing this message, you're like, oh my goodness, I see a thing in my life. I see an area in my life or a certain person in my life. And maybe when you go out the door today, you need to get on the phone and call them or you need to go and see them or maybe they're in the room and you need to talk to them before you leave the room today. And, and, and don't make excuses, but own it. And then, and then choose, I'm going to live differently. Here's another one. Say no to things. Say no to things. Or maybe for some, it's say yes to some things. But, but for me, it's more about learning to say uh, no or not yet or we will see. Um, it was funny between the services, we were in the back room and, and uh, Dan Newen, so I'll just call him out on this for sure, um, which I let your yes be yes or your no be no. And he said, that's why God invented the word maybe. <laughs> I thought, there's a little gem, okay? And uh, because you can't do everything. Let's see, but let's at least be honest about it. Let's see what God will, will work through. And let's, but sometimes you have to say no. And I would just say, be careful to say no to the right things. Don't say no to the wrong things. Well, no, honey, I'm not going to spend any time with you because I'm going with my buddies out. Like, that's not a good answer. 
if you're saying no to the wrong things. Uh, no, I, I'm not going to go to church because I'm tired today because I was out too late last night. Well, say no to last night, not to the worship of God, right? So learn to say no to the correct things, but learn to say no. Here's another one. Learn to extend grace. I had it extended to me. I need to be willing to extend grace to other people. We, we need our yes needs to be yes, our no needs to be no, but when someone fails or someone doesn't come through, we, we need to be people of grace, just like God is a person of grace for us. And then the last one, again, the most important one, seek to be faithful to God and his word in this. Seek to be faithful to God and his word in this. You are the only Jesus somebody might ever see. And if you're not faithful in this, the picture you're giving of Jesus Christ is distorted, it's, it's wrong, it's, on, on a, on, uh, it's not effective in how it works. We need to be safe. Our faithfulness in this shouldn't just be to, well, I'm going to do it because it will keep my wife happy or my husband happy or my friend happy. I do this because this is what God calls us to. And this is what God calls me to. We're all human. We'll make mistakes. We'll forget. We'll fail. The point of all of this is make it a habit that your yes is a yes and your no is a no. And when we're faithful in so many of the little things, the people will trust us in the big things. Well, so what? So what? Thanks, Pastor Paul. I need to be honest. I need to be. So what? In James 1, 19 and 26 applying it to this topic, but it says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but rather hold back, hold on, think first, but deceives his heart, that person's religion is, is worthless. If you don't do what you say you will do, if you don't follow through as you should follow through, uh, people are looking at your faith and they're saying, that's a waste of time. It doesn't really change him. It doesn't really have any impact. It's not really making any difference. The world around us holds keeping your word at such a low level. We as people of God need to demonstrate something that's totally counterculture in all of this and be people who are faithful and truthful to our word. Should I put my hand on a Bible when I go to court? You decide. But I tell you this, we need to be people who our yes is our yes and our no is our no so that when people ever wonder about us, say it like this, so truthful and trustworthy are the disciples of Christ to be, it would not be necessary for them to swear oaths or have to say, I promise, in order to be trusted. If somebody's saying to you, do you promise you're going to do that? Do you promise you're going to do that? It's probably because they're wondering whether you're actually going to do it or not. And as followers of Jesus Christ, the bar should be set so that our yes is yes, our no is no, and people know, they instinctively know, they can trust us. Can that be said of us? Can that be said of you? Can others bank on your word when we say we'll do something? Is it as good as done? If it is, God gets the glory. If it isn't, 
their view of God and his glory is tarnished. And we never want that to be our story. We don't want that to be what people say about us as followers of Jesus Christ. You have heard it said, Jesus said, but I say to you, let your yes be a yes. Let your no be a no so that we be people of integrity and character, living out, seeking to bring fame and glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the challenge of it. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to listen very carefully to what, what you have said. Father, would we not be sloppy in our thinking? Would we not be sloppy in our actions? Would we not be sloppy with our words? Would we be people of God who are faithful to do what we say we will do? And then, Lord, would you use us for your kingdom? Would you use us for your fame? Would you use us that Jesus Christ would be glorified? We pray all of these things because of all that he's accomplished in us and for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.